Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Chapter 26. 1,000 U.S. dollars was an extremely large amount of money in El Salvador. This is what Charlie offered Carlos to travel with him to Colombia. There was no promise of when they would come back, but they shouldn't be gone more than a week or so, he thought. He'd give Carlos 500 now and the other half once they were back in El Salvador. Instead of heading to the airport with Carlos driving, they went back to Carlos's house. He wanted to talk to his wife before he gave Charlie the final okay. Again, Charlie waited in the back of the house. Vanessa was no longer trying to hide behind the curtain. The, the little girl with the English-sounding name looked at Charlie as her mother and father discussed what they wanted to do. There was no indication from inside the house how that conversation was going. Finally, Carlos came outside. His wife was holding his left hand. Vanessa, the sweet little girl, was holding his right. This is my wife, Ramona. You know Vanessa already. Charlie extended his hand to Carlos' wife and she greeted him with a handshake. He patted Vanessa on the head as she continued her shy smile. You think we are going to be back here in a week? asked Carlos. I think so. I can't be sure, though. Charlie was really directing his answer more at Ramona than Carlos. She obviously was the one with the concern. Did you explain the entire situation? Charlie had really only explained the basics of what he was doing to Carlos. All he really knew was they were going to be looking for a girl named Maria that was teaching school in a small town in Colombia. So, I told her what we were going to do. Then, both of you must understand that I really don't know for sure how long this is going to take. I'm guessing a week, like I already told you, I really can't say for sure. Carlos spoke to his wife in Spanish. Charlie could see that she didn't like the idea. Her glance went to little Vanessa, who was still playfully looking at Charlie. Then she looked back at her husband and nodded her head in approval. The money was far too much to turn down. Come in, let me get some things, some clothes and whatnot. Carlos led his family back into the house. His head turned back to show it was okay for him to follow into the house. In just a short period of time, a trust bond had been created between Carlos, his family, and Charlie. A precious bond that Charlie recognized as a giant leap of faith on the part of Carlos's family. It was important for him to get Carlos back to El Salvador in a reasonable amount of time. While Carlos, his wife, and sweet Vanessa disappeared back into the rooms of their small house, he pulled his wallet out and counted out five crisp $100 bills. The alligator skin billfold was stuffed with many, many more bills just like those. He then went ahead and counted out the remaining five bills that would complete the balance. On second thought, 
there really was no reason to hold the money back. When Carlos reappeared, he handed him the 10 $100 bills. Carlos looked at them, smiled, took two for himself, and handed the rest to his wife. A small, beat-up-looking beige duffel bag must have held Carlos's clothes for the trip. It all happened so suddenly, but there it was. They were on their way to the airport to find a flight to Colombia after Carlos kissed his wife and Vanessa goodbye. Carlos drove. Within 45 minutes, they were standing at a ticket counter in the airport with Carlos rattling Spanish with the counter clerk as they looked for a flight that would get them close to Barranquilla, Colombia. Surprisingly, they found a direct flight. It seems Barranquilla is more than just a town or a village. The city was actually home to just a million people. In fact, it wasn't much smaller than the capital of Colombia, Bogota. There was a two and a half hour wait before the flight left. They spent that time reading and staring at the planes as they came and went through the large plexiglass windows that gave views of the arriving and departing flights. Neither really talked much. Leaving the country was much easier on Charlie than entering it. They didn't seem near as concerned about hassling him on the way out like they did on the way in. Carlos caught no grief at all. Their plane arrived on time, amazingly. It wasn't the jets Charlie was used to flying on, though. It was a smaller type airplane with one propeller-driven engine on each wing. The inside smelled of cigarettes. There wasn't going to be an in-flight movie, even a meal served on this flight. This was strictly for the purposes of getting from point A to point B. Hopefully, safely. The plane met its cruising altitude in a quick period of time after takeoff. Bumpy was the ride. The, the twin-engine passenger plane, left over from the 1960s, rocked and bumped with each tiny bit of turbulence it met. A couple, unable to contain themselves, openly argued in Spanish about three rows in front of where Charlie and Carlos were sitting. Several rows back, two teenage girls laughed and joked loudly about God only knows what. There was an attempt to sleep, but the ride was just too bumpy and the noise was too loud. The rattles that sounded through the plane from the bumpy air were even a little unsettling. There wasn't going to be a nap on this flight. The view from the cloudless sky was breathtaking, however. Mountains, the size he hadn't seen in Mexico or El Salvador, were out the window and stood majestically below. Very thick, solid green jungle stretched along the mountain bases as far as the eye could see in any direction. After three or four hours of the same scenery, the plane began to lower its altitude, and the jungle began to give way to small pockets of civilization. Farmland between the mountains was surrounded by small villages. As they got closer to their destination, the plane got lower and lower. The farmland gave way to modern-looking subdivisions. Eventually, there was a modern skyline, 
and the plane dropped for a very bumpy landing. Finally, they were on the ground in Barranquilla, Colombia. A day that had started with Charlie's encounter with Carlos while looking for a way to fill his empty gas tank had since seen its last drops of sunlight. It was very late. Both men were exhausted. The usual expected hassles with searches and passport verification kept them from immediately leaving the airport. They had nothing to hide, but the Colombian police were suspicious of the fact that American would be traveling with an El Salvadorian. Regardless, they eventually had to let them be on their way. Once more, there was the rental car to take care of. This time, though, Charlie had Carlos, which made things move along much more quickly. It didn't take long before they were looking for a place to stay for the evening. A city the size of Barranquilla had several options close to the airport to meet their needs. There was even a Holiday Inn. Charlie was always amazed to see the good old trusty Holiday Inn in cities all over the world when he traveled. Although he hardly ever stayed at one, it was somehow a symbol of civilization. It was a sign that maybe other Americans were there with him. What the heck? He chose the Holiday Inn. They pulled the rental car into the parking lot of the airport Holiday Inn bar in Kia. A quick meal at the hotel restaurant and they went into their separate rooms and collapsed with exhaustion. Carlos dreamed of his beautiful wife and Vanessa. Charlie dreamed of Maria. The morning Barranquilla sun poked through the gaps in the curtains long before either was ready to interrupt his sleep. But duty called. They really were on a mission. In order to accomplish their goals of getting Carlos back to his wife and daughter, they really needed to get on with it. That in mind, they managed to pull themselves out of bed, shower, and grab a bite to eat. Once again, they were going to need to find the Mexican embassy. Even though there was no hiring of teachers there in Barranquilla, maybe there would be some way of pinpointing Maria's location within the city from the information they might be able to gather there. If the personnel at the embassy was going to be like Miss Cantu in El Salvador, there wasn't going to be much of a way to find her without going school by school. This was something Charlie didn't want to think about, let alone try to discuss with Carlos. So it wasn't brought up as they talked to the counter clerk at the hotel about where the embassy might be and where they could find a map. The clerk had no idea where the embassy was, but was able to provide a map. As luck would have it, the embassy was clearly marked on the map, and the clerk used a pencil to draw the simplest route to follow to get there. They stopped and checked to make sure that the car was full of gas, and they were off. Charlie decided Carlos would be the better driver, given the situation, and a few missed turns, and 30 minutes later, they were in the parking lot of the Mexican embassy. Charlie was nervous. That really needed to go well in order for things to progress. 
As he had done once before on his trip to find Maria, he silently prayed before leaving Carlos once again to wait while he went inside. Those butterflies kept flying and fluttering in his stomach while he went through two large glass doors and into a reception area. May I help you? A very plump woman in her 40s with deep red lipstick and bleach blonde hair set filing her extremely long and, yes, fake red fingernails. Her accent was very thick. Doesn't anyone speak Spanish anymore? asked Charlie jokingly. The woman laughed with a robust burst of deep laughs that seemed to come from her round belly. Well, you're not Mexican and not Colombian. I'm guessing maybe American. Is it that obvious? asked Charlie. I guessed right, she asked and was very pleased with herself. So pleased, in fact, that it caused her to put her nail filing aside for a moment to wait for his answer. American, yes, you're right, said Charlie, playing along with her enthusiasm. Can I help you? She leaned forward as much as she could anyway, given her size, and changed into a more professional tone. It was just as fake as her nails. Charlie was the only one other than the receptionist in the small reception area. A wall to the left held the portraits of several distinguished-looking men. The pictures were in a straight line, a row. Ambassadors to Colombia, asked Charlie, answering her question with the attempt to keep the friendliness going. Yes, this one is my boss, she said, pointing to the last portrait in line. She wasn't distracted, though, and she politely repeated her question. Yes, well, I hope you can help me. I'm looking for a girl. Oh, hey, how convenient. I'm looking for a man, she joked. Charlie blushed, but it was also a little frustrating. He wanted to keep things friendly, but playing games at this point was not something that amused him much at all. He went on to explain the entire situation with Maria. While he was talking, the woman tapped on the computer keyboard that sat on her desk. Using her long, fake nails, the tapping sound filled the small, empty room like a scream in a tunnel. Oh, yes, here she is. Her pointing finger of her right hand now tapped the monitor. She's, but before she could finish, she stopped tapping and looked back at Charlie. Hey, how do I know you're not some sort of, well, you know, crook or something? Good question, said Charlie, and I appreciate your concern, too. I guess you'll just have to take my word for it. She shook her head. Nah, you're too far from home to be looking for someone to rob or steal from. She picked up her nail file, tapped it back on the desk while she continued to think. I guess you'll be wanting to know where she works, right? Maybe that. And a home address, too? Charlie said with rising intonation. The woman lowered her voice. Here's what I'll do. I'll tell you where she works, okay? I really wouldn't feel right giving out any addresses of people's homes. What difference would that make? Charlie smiled to take the edge off the comment. 
The woman didn't hesitate to respond. Well, she's applied for a Mexican resident status. A what? A Mexican residence status. It means that she is going to continue to live here when the school year's over. So she can teach here next year, asked Charlie. No, she's not hired to teach another year. Then why would she want to stay, he asked. Oh, no offense or anything, he continued. It's just that she has no family here. It just seems odd. There's only one reason, really, why a Mexican citizen would want to complete that application. The woman wasn't smiling. Her jolly mood had turned more and more serious as they spoke now. She was dead serious. Why? asked Charlie. He knew the answer was going to be something not pleasant to hear. She finally responded, Mexican citizens are required to do this application when getting married in this country. Married? asked Charlie. The portly woman simply shook her head and smiled in a sympathetic way. She knew she had dropped a bomb on Charlie. He felt sick. His cheeks went deep red. A funny taste came into his mouth. The woman handed Charlie a slip of paper with Maria's place of employment written on it. It was all he could do to smile and make it back to the car where Carlos sat waiting. Carlos could tell something was wrong. You okay? He asked as Charlie got in the passenger side. Charlie couldn't even answer. He simply shook his head. No. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time as we continue with things that Charlie did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.